Welcome to the Route Runners Podcast. This is episode two, and I'm Shrieker. I'm Jared. And I'm James. Awesome. So I apologize to all our listeners today if I'm sounding a little uh, worse. Uh, I have a little bit of a sore throat today, but I should be good to go episode three. So let's kick it off. So first, we want to start with the news of the week. So I think five minutes right before we started recording, James White was actually listed as out for the whole season. He's having surgery for a hip injury. So this is going to change some things for the Patriots. Yeah, it's definitely not going to help the development of Mac Jones now that he's not going to have one of the better pass-catching running backs in the league, and especially over the last couple of years. Um, he's been very good, very consistent there, and young quarterbacks tend to rely on those kind of guys, so it's going to suck to not have him for the rest of the year. Yeah, Mac Jones doesn't really have anyone to dump down to because I don't think Damian Harris is much of a pass-catching uh, running back, and they don't have anyone much like James White who has the ability to actually have that run after catch. So, you know, Mac Jones doesn't have like a reliable outlet anymore, I'd say. I think this is going to get uh, get interesting with the Patriots offense to see if Bill Belichick starts to switch things up and if he gives more trust to Mac Jones and lets him take the reins for this offense and call some audibles here. Definitely possible. Um, there's, like James said, there's not really a whole lot of options. Uh, for Mac Jones to be able to dump the ball off to. So there's probably going to be a lot more design plays for guys who can catch short passes and are more excelled in that field like uh, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, the tight ends that they signed in the offseason. Damian Harris is probably going to get a little more involved in the passing game too now. So it's going to be interesting for the Pats and definitely going to be a big thing for Mac Jones to see if he can keep up with the NFL after losing probably his best running back, their second best running back. So the next thing that we saw this week was Marlon Mack requesting a trade from the Colts. It looks like he's not getting that much of an impact on the Colts' backfield. And where do you guys think he's going to go? I feel like any team with a struggling running back core, I could see him possibly going to the Ravens, even though they have a lot of people. But, like, if he were to go to the Ravens, I could see him just being the RB1 out the gate because he's fully healthy and he's really good when he's healthy. Other than that, it's again, it's just teams that are struggling in the backfield. I could also see – for some reason, I can see the Chiefs, and just because Clyde has looked terrible these uh, past three weeks, I think he has two fumbles in three uh, three games, which your starting running back should not do. But I don't know, I, I, anywhere he goes, I feel like he'll make an impact because on the Colts, he really wasn't because Jonathan Taylor was handling the run game, Naheem Hines handling the passing game, and – Mac was not even contributing to special teams, so he had really no value or purpose to be on the Colts. So, he'll, I'll I'll be happy wherever he lands because he'll definitely make an impact, and he'll probably be the RB one out the gate depending on where he goes. I think a good fit for Marlon Mack is actually a team that we're going to be talking about in just a little bit, and I think that's Cincinnati Bengals. I think that uh, Cincinnati is a team that lost their main guy or their main backup over the last couple of years in Giovanni Bernard. Uh, he's on Tampa Bay now. I feel like Marlon Mack isn't really fit to be in a system where he's going to be the lead guy. I feel like he's much better as a complimentary back. Give your starter some rest, and then Marlon Mack can go in there and kind of get the job done. I think he's a perfect complement to Joe Mixon. Can kind of do the same kind of things, catch passes, run in between the tackles, be really good at that. And I think that he'd actually be a really good fit for Cincinnati. And if Mixon ever goes down, which he has done a lot recently over the last couple of years, I feel that 
Marlon Mack is a very good complimentary back there for the Bengals. Uh, Carolina is another option where he can go to because um, obviously now there's no Christian McCaffrey for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I, I think that Mack is probably better suited in a place that he can be a complimentary back to give uh, some really good starters some rest. Kind of be like Kareem Hunt for the Browns, maybe a little less involved than Kareem Hunt is. I could – I may be the odd one out here, but I could also see Mack going to the uh, the Jets. Uh, <laughs> not, not for the bias, but, like, he can he can probably play the complimentary third down role to Michael Carter, who's going to take over, uh, just because Michael Carter's a rookie. And just having someone like Marlon Mack for third downs gives Michael Carter a breather. And they don't overwork – so they don't work – Carter too much because again he's still a rookie so I could I mean I could see that obviously Mac won't really strive or thrive actually on the Jets but if the Jets want a third down back and he's the guy they should target I also don't think that the price for Marlon Mack is going to be there I don't think the Colts are going to be able to get a lot back for him so they may just not even end up trading him at all like there are very few running backs in the NFL that are actually go for first or second round picks because running backs are so replaceable in the NFL. I feel like Marlon Mack is not going to go for anything higher than like a maybe a fifth round pick. I don't think that they're going to get a lot back for him. So it depends how aggressive the Colts really want to be. But um, I guess we'll see. Do we know like what the Colts are targeting, like what they want trade value wise or no? Probably just draft picks later on draft picks. Yeah, I think, I mean, Ballard's a really great GM in Indy, and I think he could be able to upsell him a little bit, maybe for a fourth rounder, but I, like Jared said, I don't think he can go anywhere above fourth round. Personally, I think he might, I think he would be a great fit in the 49ers. They do a bat, they do a committee in their backfield, and with all those injuries lingering for the 49ers right now in their running back pack, I think they might pull a, pull the trigger on Marlon Mack because he could help them now and for the future. And with Trey Sermon being drafted, Trey Sermon can eventually take that first two down set. And for now, Marlon Mack can just start leading. Yeah, it's not a bad spot. So the next thing that we want to talk about is Richard Sherman signing with the Buccaneers. Um, I mean, all this really is is kind of cornerback depth. Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting will be back for Tampa Bay eventually. And – you can never have enough cornerback depth. So for Tampa Bay, I don't hate it. It is kind of ring chasing by Richard Sherman, which I never really like to see out of players. It kind of ruins the competition. But for the Bucks, like I, I don't really see why not. Just get some cornerback depth. Like Seattle can be using that right now. Other teams that are struggling in a corner, Minnesota, they can all use cornerback depth. It's one of the most important uh, positions in football, and. It's also one of the hardest positions to play. And now the fact that you lost two of your guys, at least in rotation, why not get a veteran, a guy that can maybe help out some of the young guys there? Washington's defense, I think they would have really needed him. If they could got, have gotten him, I think they he would have made a big impact in that secondary. Yeah, that's another spot that could have used him. I don't think Sherman was really – I think he kind of just wanted to get a ring because for some reason I remember seeing on Instagram how he was saying that, oh, if Tom Brady – talk calls you and asks you to be on his team then you just say yes so like i don't know if it was more richard sherman wanted to get back into the game or tom brady just wanted him on his team so i don't i mean obviously richard sherman would want to play again but i mean tom brady just kind of took advantage of that one right there so the next thing that we have on our list was Titans without aj brown and it looks like maybe julio jones might be out too for this week against the jets what do you guys think about Well, this is this is going to be a clear-cut Derrick Henry game if they're both out. Uh, like, obviously, when uh, Tennessee played last week, 
Tannehill got the ball. He spread it a lot to those receivers who I forgot the names of already. But he he was he's good at spreading the ball around. But against the Jets, I feel like Tannehill's probably just gonna keep it on the ground. Trust the guy who carries the offense. Give it to Derrick Henry. Obviously, you should try making sure you don't overwork him just in case injuries could happen. But I can see Derrick Henry getting like north of thirty touches in a game. If they're both, if both receivers are out, yeah, um, it's this is going to be a be- very big test for Ryan Tannehill. Now the next two weeks won't be too bad. They do have to play the Jets and the Jags, so that's not shouldn't be too terrible for Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill should be able to kind of work with that, especially now the Jacksonville secondary is even worse without C.J. Henderson. But the two weeks after that, Tennessee has to play Buffalo and Kansas City, and not having, I would say, the second best player on your offense in A.J. Brown, definitely going to be. Uh, test for Ryan Tannehill. He's not going to be able to trust that one guy. And you can't, you probably can't beat Tennessee or um, Buffalo and Kansas city without, with just your running game with Derrick Henry. So they're going to need, he's going to need to step up and he's going to need to hit those other guys like Nick Westbrook, Akinye and Chester Rogers on Tennessee. So I feel that losing AJ Brown is a big loss. And especially because this is a team where they don't really rely on their defense at all. And they have to win in shootouts. And yeah, Ryan Tannehill is really going to have to step up without AJ Brown. This is a big loss for them for the next couple of weeks. I think they could target Anthony Ferkser and Josh Reynolds too. Those are two underrated key targets in the, on that offense. They could show up if they do show up, they should be big for against his jets. Yeah, those are two guys that will probably get involved. I could also see Jeremy McNichols getting the Najee Harris treatment where he gets fucking 19 targets, but it's not going to be of that quantity. But I can see Tannehill dumping it down to him if he needs to. So next we have Thursday night predictions. It's a Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence rematch since college days. What are you guys thinking? Yeah, so I uh, dug up some stats on the 2020 College National Championship. Oh, yay. So LSU versus Clemson. I want to read you Joe Burrow's stats and then Trevor Lawrence's stats. Now, mind you, this is Joe Burrow, who probably is the most worshipped out of any college athlete at their own school. I would say it's Joe Burrow at LSU. And he also probably had one of the, the best, if not the best, quarterback seasons out of a college quarterback of all time. This is the national championship. 31 of 49 passing for 463 yards, five touchdowns to zero picks. Also, 14 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. So six touchdowns in total offense and over 500 yards. Trevor Lawrence, 18 of 37, 234 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, and then 10 rushes for 44 yards and a touchdown. So Burrow, the only time that these two have played each other, Burrow clearly outplayed him. And obviously that LSU team was probably the most stacked college team in the last, probably since the old Miami teams when Ray Lewis and Ed Reed were there, but Joe Burrow really outplayed Trevor Lawrence. I think that's probably going to sting Trevor Lawrence a little bit over the next couple of years when these two are going to be playing each other. I think that these are two of the most exciting quarterbacks we have in the NFL right now, even though Trevor Lawrence has really struggled so far this year. Um, both of these quarterbacks have turned the ball over a lot. So I think that the winner of this game is going to end up being who turns the ball over less. Very untrustworthy offenses. I don't know if I see the Cincinnati Bengals being three and one, like something about that just doesn't sound right. But something also doesn't really sound right either about the Jags winning a primetime game. So I don't, 
it's it's a tough one for me. It's it's to me it's hard to trust Trevor Lawrence after his performances for the past three weeks. Even though I think he has potential to win this game and upset the Bengals, uh, the Bengals offense has been too electric with the LSU connection. I just and the Jags defense not again giving away CJ Henderson, so I doubt. Jamar Chase is going to have really any competition there to try to beat him on deep balls. Uh, 30 total tackles. So I think this de- Bengals defense is very underrated. Yeah, they got Larry Ogunjobi, who's playing really well on the defensive line right now. They also got Chris Hubbard, who's a really good sack guy for them, uh, with a pretty lackluster Jags offensive line. But something that I want to kind of talk about is that Jesse Bates and T. Higgins are both questionable. Neither of them practiced on Tuesday. So I feel that if they don't have either of those players, Jacksonville is going to be able to kind of hang with them and score. Um, The line being seven and a half for the Bengals, I feel like it's going to be really kind of difficult to be that confident in in the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know. That's just me. But yeah, Cincinnati's defense has actually been playing really well so far. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Cincy blew him out because of just how good Joe Burrow is and how weak this Jack's defense has been so far. But I do think that um, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to hang with them in this game. I'm, I'm seeing a 20 to maybe 13 win for the Bengals here. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I think both defenses hold these interception-happy uh, QBs for uh, some, some touchdowns. But I think it's going to be low-scoring, and I'm picking the Bengals. Uh, I'm also picking the Bengals. But one thing I want to see from the Jags is – because I was him uh, during the preseason, and Trevor Lawrence seemed to have a good connection with him, and that has clearly not been established in the regular season. So if they can get that going, then that'll be kind of fun to see. But I still have the Bengals over them. I kind of think that this may be a high-scoring game. If this is anything like it was in college, where Joe Burrow has one of his main receivers there, there's going to be some points scored in this game, especially with the – I would still argue that both of these secondaries are pretty weak, especially if Cincinnati doesn't have Jesse Bates, who's one of the best safeties in the league. Uh, So I actually think it's going to be more of a high-scoring game. I think the Bengals win, but I think Jacksonville covers. I think it's going to be like a 31-27 to kind of game, and I think that Cincy wins. I I can see the Bengals winning on like a field goal. I I can see a close game. If it came down to a field goal, then I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, you can never count out Evan McPherson. He's been really good for them kicking. Fuck's sake. Yeah. This will be his, his true test to see if he's the, the, the true Bengals kicker or not. Yeah. So far, he's only he he's hit, he's one for one for field goals in the 30 to 39 yard range and one for one in the 40 to 49 yard range and two for two in the 50 plus yard range. So it looks like he's pretty consistent overall. Yeah. It's still a very small sample size, but for now, he's been looking good. Right. Kickers, you can flip a switch. Any second, they can be absolutely terrible. Just ask Greg Joseph. Greg Joseph has been really good this year. Except when except he needs for the, to except win the game. <laughs> so I don't think that Jacksonville is going to be the team to do it. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at it right now, Jamar Chase is far and away the leader for Offensive Rookie of the Year, and rightfully so. I mean, this guy was proven – was being pretty ridiculed by the internet by not being good in the preseason – Apparently he had a pretty bad training camp. Apparently he came out and said he couldn't see the ball in the NFL because there's no lines on it, which doesn't make any sense. But, um, yeah, he's proven everyone wrong, and he has four touchdowns already, all of them. He, he has a game 
or sorry, he has a touchdown on in every game of 35 plus yards. So I feel like that's a really good thing to have as a deep threat. And I think that Jamar Chase is actually may end up working out at the number five overall pick if he can if he can continue on this pace. Yeah, there were a lot of doubters with the Bengals taking Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell. I was one of those doubters. But uh, Jamar Chase seems to be shutting me up right now because he has been exceptional. So our next segment is called Three Weeks In, Who's the Worst? And this is where we talk about who we think is the worst team in the NFL at week 17. So, James, your prediction? I mean, this is an obvious choice. <laughs> Do I even have to say it? Like, it's got to be the New York Jets. Let's just, let's just take a look at how bad they are. First off, for three weeks, three games, they've scored a total of two touchdowns, and that came in the first week. The Jets have less total offensive yards, average yards per play. Compared to every team they played. Their turnover ratio is also abysmal. And now that Marcus May is out three to four weeks, their defense is going to be, need a lot more help, and it already did. So now it's just even worse. I'd also like to mention the Jets rank last in first yards. The Jets are also last in passing yards per game at 170, and they are last in red zone efficiency at only 33%. And again, with Marcus May out three to four weeks, they're going to be even worse than they are. Also, where the hell is Denzel Mims? I thought I, I thought he was very high on the Jets. I thought he was going to be really good. He has not played, and somehow Braxton Berrios is getting more snaps over Denzel Mims. So I'm confused. Yeah, but yeah, they're the worst team by far. I definitely say that that's a problem, and that the Denzel Mims pick has not worked out yet. The team that I think is the worst. Now I love shitting on the Jets, but uh, I think that I'd like to shit on the Falcons more just because our host is a Falcons fan. Um, the See, Falcons... I don't think I can forgive you for that. I don't <laughs> you don't. You don't have to. It's okay. Um, your your team will be a lot better when Matt Corral is your starting quarterback. Oh right. Oh, I'm hyped. Um, the Atlanta Falcons. I think everyone that knows football are always a team that's going to win shootouts and a team that's going to be very competitive in uh, offensive scoring games. The Falcons so far have the fourth least touchdowns out of any team in the NFL. Matt Ryan, who is a borderline Hall of Famer, he's had an excellent career, and I think that he's a really great quarterback. I think that he deserves a Super Bowl ring. Um, he has the 11th most pass attempts this year, but his only pass for the 24th most amount of yards, 22nd most touchdowns, and he is 12th in picks, which makes sense for being uh, the 11th most pass attempts, but still. But he also has the 25th highest passer rating. He's not getting it done. There are a lot of young guys in the NFL that are trying to get used to it and being accustomed to it. I don't think that this Arthur Smith scheme is all that bad. There are guys around him, Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley, two guys that I thought were going to be absolutely amazing this year. And Kyle Pitts has had one decent game, and that's been it. Calvin Ridley's been, like, good. He's been involved, but he hasn't been nearly as involved as I think he should be. Um and obviously their defense isn't good either. They've given up the third most amount of points. Now, I know that one of the teams that they've had to play is Tampa Bay, but the other two are the Giants and the Eagles, who definitely aren't known for being great offenses. They're not getting their two best players involved in offense, like I said, in Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. Their rushing offense is very inefficient, and Matt Ryan is officially the problem. I think that 
you know, his offensive line isn't really doing him any wonders either, but Matt Ryan is not up there with Big Ben, but he's kind of close to being one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And obviously their defense is not very good. Like besides Grady Jarrett, Foyasada Lucan, and A.J. Terrell, there's really no notable players on that defense. A.J. Terrell is kind of growing into a young, a nice young cornerback. I'm excited I'm... when they draft Kyle Hamilton, though, in the draft. I mean, <laughs> There you go. That's actually hey, not a terrible idea. Yeah. Hopefully we don't draft another generational talent that we won't utilize ever in the offense or defense. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, me. it, it, it's only three games, but you being a Falcons fan, like, is the Kyle Pitts pick a bust yet? Or I mean, obviously it's too early to tell, but what are your what are your thoughts on that so far? I mean, I I, I obviously can't say he's a bust yet after buying his jersey, but <laughs> I think it's it seems like. He, they're, he, they're just not utilizing him enough, or he's just getting not enough separation. Matt Ryan trusts to just throw the ball deep, and he'll go and catch it. Because it, se- it seems like he, he, when he gets the ball, he'll make a big play. Like, I remember he's, he's gotten multiple fourth, fourth down catches, and he, he's gotten the f- first down. But I just think it's just a trust thing with Matt Ryan and Kyle Pitts. And I think eventually he's going to get there, and Kyle Pitts is going to increase in targets. But right now, it's just a trust thing on who does Matt Ryan trust his receivers? Does he trust his O line where he can stand in the pocket for like maybe 0.5 seconds longer just to throw it a little bit and get that one on one with Kyle Pitts or Calvin Ridley against a D back, Andy Dalton or Justin Fields? I think at some point, Matt Nagy is probably going to get fired and he might even get some people might even think he's thrown under the bus here. But really, I think it really starts at the top at the beginning at the top of the organization. Uh, with Ryan Pace here, but I think, I mean, really, if you look at it, David Montgomery, who was a focal point of that offense last year, he's only gotten 203 rushing yards total. And Andy Dalton, it looks like compared to Justin Fields, Andy Dalton's has way outperformed him, even if it was against a, a small sample size. But it's looking like Andy Dalton's can handle this really bad O-line way better than Justin Fields, whether that's due to the bad offensive schemes that uh, Matt Nagy's setting up for him, or if it's just Andy Dalton is just smarter with having more experience in, in football games. And the but honestly, don't even have their first round pick. Right, year. exactly. And and you got Allen Robinson, who was supposed to be a go-to guy, a target magnet, and he's kind of been kind of in the shadow. He's been quiet, and he's kind of been a shell, a shell of himself lately. But I think he's going to – He's going to have good games and he's going to have bad games. And it really is a roller coaster, although I think it's going to lead to a top three pick for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I don't know if I see them being – well, I mean, it'll be the Giants pick. But I don't know if I see them being in the top three, but top ten is definitely possible. you got the Packers and the Vikings in that division, who I think are pretty decent teams, and the Lions hang with everyone. So, we'll see. I mean, looking at the stats here, it doesn't look like they have too many giveaways, but – just seeing them on offense, it really just seems like you blink and they're already punting it away. So it yeah. really is just so bad on the field. And that's why they're probably going to lead to the number one pick. And they it, they have the talent to be way better. But whether it's a coaching thing, whether, whether the talent's just not producing on the field, it's time will tell, I guess. So our next thing on the – our next segment is games we look forward to. And, Jared, you're up first. What do you think? So I think that this is a game that a lot of people have been waiting for since March of 2020, and it is the Patriots and the Buccaneers. 
Um, everyone's looking forward to Tom Brady's return. Um, this is the best quarterback of all time. I think any other argument for anyone else is wrong. Uh, the guy has seven Super Bowls, and he won a Super Bowl on a team that he literally went to, and he won a Super Bowl the first year. So I think that's obviously very impressive. He won six Super Bowls with this team in, I believe it was 20 seasons. Um, that's very good, I would say. Um, apparently, the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady relationship has – it seems like it's fizzled out a little bit. Apparently, Bill Belichick declined an interview from Tom Brady because he thought that Brady was kind of done with the whole Patriots organization. And, I mean, do you really blame him? Bill Belichick is one of the most – I mean, he's a great coach. He's probably also one of the best coaches of all time. But do you really blame him? Look how much more fun Tom Brady has in Florida. He's so much funnier now. He's more outspoken. He's on HBO The Shop. He's on Jimmy Kimmel. He's on all of this uh, late-night stuff. And he's – it just seems like he's finally being himself, where in New England, Bill Belichick didn't really have that kind of – fun culture to to be around so i've enjoyed tom brady's time in florida more than a lot of people and especially bill belichick um because apparently he doesn't even want to interview him um the patriots defense has been very good so far this is not going to be the easiest uh game for tom brady when they've played the cowboys and the falcons the first two weeks obviously against the rams you saw they kind of struggled a little bit and the pats defense is not as good as the rams especially without uh no stefan gilmore but they still got some really good players, Dante Hightower, J.C. Jackson on that defense. It's very good. They've limited the uh, Jets, Dolphins, and Saints offenses to not uh, great weeks. The Saints' score looks good, but that's because their uh, defense always put them in good field position and they scored a defensive touchdown. But this is easily going to be the best offense that the, that the Patriots play, and Tom Brady's going to be pissed. He's coming off a loss that looked pretty bad. He is Tom Brady in his career is 48 and 13 after a loss in his career in the regular season. That is 79. That's about 79% of the time he'll win a game after a loss, which is pretty much the same as his win percentage, regardless that Tom Brady can do that. Antonio Brown is probably coming back. So he's going to have an extra weapon. I don't think it matters what defense the Patriots had. If they had a bunch of all pros on this, the Bucks are going to win this game and they'll probably cover the spread as well. And I know that I'm saying like, it's not even going to be that close of a game and I'm picking it as game as the week, but in terms of storyline, this has to be talked about because this is the, again, the best quarterback of all time going back to his old stomping grounds. And I think that it's just going to be a really interesting thing to watch. Divisional teams. So that's also, that's always fun to have divisional matchup. They're both undefeated. You got Kyler Murray versus Matt Stafford. So top offenses led by, I'd say two MVP candidates. I, Kyler, I I have an edge over Matt Ryan or Matt Stafford in MVP, mainly because Kyler is just untackable, unsackable. So that's always nice to see. One thing to watch is how the Cardinals are going to stop that Matt Stafford to Cooper Cup connection because they know Cup's going to be targeted a lot that game. So it's going to see how they utilize that, especially my boy Isaiah Simmons. How can he stop? How can he uh? Help the Cardinals defense produce. <laughs> I'm and for sure our I like listeners it. out there, James is a really big Isaiah Simmons fan. It's his favorite player. Top three player. No, J- Justin Jefferson is my favorite player. I'd say Isaiah Simmons <laughs> is two. Oh, right. Well, Rodrigo Blankenship is three, so. <laughs> <laughs> I got to respect the specs. And I follow his Lego uh, channel on Instagram, so would you look at that? Or not his channel, <laughs> his fucking page. Because I got to support the boy. There you go. <laughs> 
Anyways, I think this game is going to be very high scoring. Obviously, the Rams' defense is still pretty elite in my eyes, so we're going to see Kyler go up against a very elite defense. D-Hop versus Jalen Ramsey, which is going to be a fun matchup. That's going to be one to look forward to. And I feel this this game, depending on the score, depending on how everything goes, I think it'll give us a feel on who belongs on top of the NFC West. I feel it'll, it'll give us a clear picture of who's going to win that division. They do play again one more time, but this one will probably set the stage for the other one and just set the stage for the uh, – the eventual winners of the NFC West, but we'll see. For my pick, I'm choosing the Panthers-Cowboys. I think that's going to be a really close game, and it's going to be a shootout as well. The Cowboys, Cowboys and Panthers. Panthers. If turns out shows his top three potential again, I think this could be a really close game. I think they have the weapons needed for a game like this against the Dak and the star-studded Cowboys. And they really have everything, all the keys there. They got Robbie Anderson if they want to go deep ball. They got DJ Moore if they want to go deep ball. They also have Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall has been really good for that offense lately. And you got Chuba Hubbard. We haven't seen too much of Chuba Hubbard yet, but he's looking like he's going to be a solid running back just for the Panthers when CMC is out. But that, and we, we haven't even started talking about their defense there. Their defense has been really good. It's been top 10, top 10 in every aspect possible is look it's looking like the young guys are showing out for that defense and on the Cowboys side I really think that Cowboys offense and defense is top 10 and I think or maybe not the Cowboys defense we can edit this out but I think the Cowboys offense is easily top five with C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard when your backup running back is producing the same numbers as your starting running back it, it's it's lethal. That's all I gotta say about that. And Dex showing that that ankle is totally clear. It's looking good for the Cowboys. I'm excited for that game. I, I think wanna... Tony Pollard also yeah. averages. He also has the most yards per carry, and I think it's at like seven, which is ridiculous. So he he's putting up even better numbers than Zeke, and he's the backup. Yeah, like like Shrieker was saying, like Dallas's offense is so good. It, it honestly may be. Top three, uh, like honestly, what what offense is better other than like maybe Tampa Bay's and Kansas City's? I think though you got to say that those are the top three offenses in the league. Like Dallas put up forty one on Monday night. Ceedee Lamb, I believe, had one catch, and Amari Cooper had like two or three. So that amount of points with their probably their two best offensive players, or at least their two best weapons. We're hardly involved. Dalton Schultz, Cedric Wilson, and both of the running backs were really involved in that game. But Dallas absolutely dominated that game. And I know it's the Eagles, but their receivers did not really even perform well at all. I like Carolina a lot, and I am really looking forward to them. But I kind of think that Dallas is going to win this one with no Christian McCaffrey. I think that Dallas's defense is good enough. Michael Parsons has really showed out uh, the first couple of weeks. And I think that Dallas is – I don't think the Carolina is going to be able to hang with Dallas. That offense is way too good. But yeah, no, nonetheless, I think we're, we're headed for some really great games this weekend. So our next segment is locks and upsets of the week. So, Jared, you're up. So my lock of the week is something that I think I'm going to be doing a lot lately. Um, or a lot in the next coming weeks. Uh, I'm going to be picking against the Jets. Um, I'm go- I'm going with Tennessee uh, to beat the Jets. I think that this is probably the easiest game 
that Ryan Tannehill is going to have to step up and he's going to kind of get used to not throwing to A.J. Brown a lot. Derrick Henry had a good game last week, but it wasn't as good as usual. I think this is going to be one of the games where Derrick Henry blows up, and I don't really think that the Jets can beat many teams in the NFL because their roster is just so depleted. They're really the only good player on the defense is C.J. Mosley and Quentin Williams, which are good run stuffers, which is the the Titans' strength, but I don't really care. Like (laughs) Tennessee is good enough that they beat the Colts last week, who are – Still a really good defense. They beat them pretty well, and they didn't have who didn't have AJ Brown for most of the game. And Ryan Tannehill was throwing some darts to some of these guys that you know really aren't that involved. I'm not the biggest Titans guy. I think that their team is very good. I don't know how far Ryan Tannehill is going to end up taking them, but and especially with no wide receivers, I think that they're kind of a little limited but Derrick Henry is going to run wild this game I don't think that the Jets are going to be able to find an answer not that anyone really does um, and Tennessee is going to beat the Jets uh, the Jets again like James said also lost Marcus May for the next couple weeks who is really good at safety can stop the run and can uh, lurk in that secondary and obviously with no AJ Brown it's going to be um, a little bit of a stress off the defense Uh, for the Jets, but I definitely think that the Titans are going to win this game. I'm not picking the Jets to win a game until I see it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't blame you for that one. That's, I mean, pretty obvious. uh, So my lock of the week is Jared's game of the week, which is the Buccaneers and Patriots. I have the Buccaneers being the Patriots, mainly due to Brady, just the whole storyline of Brady and playing the Bucs. Tom Brady wants revenge on Bill Belichick after all he's put him through in New England. Like Jared was saying, he seems much happier in Tampa, and he does look like a robot out there in New England. So we all know Brady wanted to leave Bill Belichick in the Patriots around, like, 2017. He Apparently he told, like, some of his friends they wanted to leave then. So we'll see how he responds to the Patriots and Bill Belichick. I think the Buccaneers defense will be way too much for Mac Jones. Buccaneers defense is way too elite for a rookie quarterback. And they're going to a good amount of sacks, maybe like two picks. And again, without James white, Mac Jones can't dump anyone off for easy yards. I think Tom Brady, as good as the Patriots defense is, I think Tom Brady is still going to dominate them. He's his weapons are still too good with Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski. And if Antonio Brown comes back, there's another weapon for him. I just think the Buccaneers offense is way too strong for that Pats defense. Tom Brady is still proven that he can provide even at age 40, whatever he's already thrown for 10 passing touchdowns in three games. And the Buccaneers offense leads the NFL in total touchdowns with 14. So their offense is booming. And I don't think the Patriots defense can slow him down. The Rams defense held him to 24 points, but the Rams defense is also a top tier defense compared to the Patriots who don't have Stefan Gilmore. And I just think, they're not going to be able to make plays with Tom Brady, Dotton, and Diamond out there. And the Buccaneers' offense, like I said, is just too dominant. They already have over 1,000 yards of only passing offense compared to the Patriots, like 730 around there. So the Buccaneers' offense and defense have huge advantages over the whole Patriots team. Even with Bill Belichick knowing how Tom Brady plays, it's, he's, can't, he's not going to be able to do anything. And if I could just add something real quick. I think one thing that no one's talking about is their O-line. Their O-line is – really good 
for holding a 43-year-old uh, quarterback alive, I think they, they're easily like top five, I think, in the league. It's probably and, the number. It's probably the number one reason why they actually won the Super Bowl. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think against a Patriots defense that isn't quite the best, I think Tom Brady should go off. I I think it may be a top three game of the season for Tom Brady. I think yeah, he's best. he's looking forward to this game, so yeah. it's not going to look good in New England. He's had this circled on his calendar since the schedule came out in May, and he is going to. Flip his shit on the Pats. I think whenever when he left the Pats, he was waiting to play them just for revenge. Yeah, who knows? We might even get a kissing his son celebration mid-game. Who knows? <laughs> He'll throw around with Bill Belichick's kids. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the ultimate troll. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Jared, or not Jared, James? You want to say your upset pick now? Uh, sure. My upset pick. Um is the Panthers over the Cowboys. I know Jared and Streaker were hyping up the Cowboys offense. Now they're top three. I just – I can see the Panthers running away with it. I don't know. Not running away with it, but keeping it close. Yeah, I don't know. Just something about that Panthers defense. Can I think they can handle Dak. They can contain the Cowboys offense. Obviously, Zach Martin is going to be a problem. He's going to contain whoever is, is trying to rush, up, rush through him. So that right side is going to be pretty protective for Dak. I think Chuba Hubbard is going to show that he can fill CMC's shoes while he's gone this game. I feel like he may have at least two touchdowns. Uh, I was, uh, and that's why I think the Panthers offense is going to show up. I think they're going to definitely show up when they need to, and that's during this game. Because they're going to have to put up a lot of points to compete with the Cowboys. Because the Cowboys offense is going to be really well. But again, I think the Panthers defense has the potential to stop them. But I still feel like the Cowboys are going to put up near 30 points. So the Panthers are going to have to actually use Robbie Anderson because they haven't been. So if they can utilize him, I, I feel like he can be an X factor because they already, they are, they go to DJ Moore. They have been utilizing Tommy Trimble, but they need to throw Robbie Anderson in there. He was, he was, he was, been, he was pretty good last year. I think he led the team in targets or maybe DJ Moore did. Either way, he was still a good good uh, player on that team. And now it's Sam Darnold, the QB, who shows that while he's not on the Jets, he can actually perform. Um, I think Robbie Anderson could be the X Factor in this game. And I do think it's going to be a close game. The Cowboys have proven a better offense than the Panthers, but for the upset, I think the Panthers can get it done. I, I hope so. I love Sam Darnold, and I love what he's doing in Carolina. I think that that's been, it's been a really nice story that he's – I know that they haven't beaten the best teams, but still, I, I really like what's going on down there. Similar to Darnold, a guy that went to a new team this offseason that was struggling in his other destination. I actually have the Colts upsetting this week against the Dolphins. The Dolphins are minus two-point favorites. I don't know. Just when I look at the Colts, I like the roster. The defense is pretty solid. They are they do have some injuries on offense. Quentin Nelson is questionable to play in this game. T.Y. Hilton's obviously not there. But when I look at the Colts roster and I look at their record, I was like, okay, 0-3, that makes sense because of who they played. They played Seattle, they played the Rams, and then the Titans. The Dolphins I don't think are as good as those three teams. I don't see the Colts going 0-4. I just think that that team is built too good on defense, too good on the offensive line, even if Quentin Nelson doesn't play. Because if Quentin Nelson doesn't play, they're probably getting Braden Smith back, their second-round pick from a couple years ago who's been – 
almost a Pro Bowl level um, offensive lineman. I feel like this Dolphins defense is a little bit overrated. I think that they have a, just a solid secondary that the Raiders kind of carved up. So and the Bills definitely carved up. The Dolphins defense has not had the best start to the season so far, and I know the Colts aren't the offense to really score 35 points a game but I know that this is a road game for the Colts I just I don't know I don't think that the Colts are nearly as bad as their record is Uh, and again I know that the teams that they played have been very good but also the Dolphins are on their back of quarterback I don't know if he's going to have as good of a game against the Colts defense uh than against the Raiders, who the Colts defense, I would definitely say, is better. Um, I think that this is actually going to be a really solid game for Jonathan Taylor. I think that he's going to probably have his best game of the season. The Raiders and the Bills' rush, rushing attacks even played pretty well against Miami, as long as uh, as well as New England, and even the passing attacks did as well. So we may actually see a really good game from Carson Wentz, even though the Colts' receiving core isn't the best. I think that the Colts are going to end up upsetting the Dolphins. I also wasn't too confident in many of the upsets this week to win outright. Like, there's some spread that I like. Like, I think that Houston is probably going to be able to cover against Buffalo. 16-and-a-half-point spread is a lot. But the only other upsets that I really liked were Carol- maybe Carolina over Dallas, but I-, I think I like Dallas to win that one. And, yeah, there were were I also like Baltimore over Denver. I think I think that that could potentially be an upset, just as like an honorable mention. I think that's going to be a really good game because I think that's going to be a real test for the the Broncos, and they definitely could win because again they've done everything that they could so far with some injuries. So I think there's definitely a very good chance that Denver wins, but I didn't really want to pick a one point spread to be my upset, so I'm going to go with the Colts. Also, so, I just got news that uh, Bruce Arians is saying that Antonio Brown is going to be back tomorrow because he's his ten days are up off the COVID list, so he's most likely going to be playing this weekend. Oh boy! Yes, business is going to be booming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all signs are good to go. It's looking like and for Tampa Bay here. So for my lock of the week, I'm choosing the Chiefs here. I don't think the Chiefs are going one and three. Let's just put that out there first. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is pissed. He lost to Justin Herbert. He he was caught uh caught lacking by saying, you know, we'll see if he can beat him. And Justin Herbert proved it. But I really don't see the Eagles having any chance at all beating this Chiefs. No matter how bad the Chiefs defense is, they do, cannot stand a chance against Patty Mahomes and that offense. No matter who you look at there, Clyde Alaire, who Clyde Edwards Alaire, or even Travis Kelsey. Or if you say Tyreek Hill hasn't been the best wide receiver for that team. I just don't see the Eagles pushing out there. It looks like they're also very undisciplined. The Eagles have been 32nd, the last in the league for most penalties right now, which shows that Nick Sirianni, who was supposed to be this coach, player coach whisperer or something, he's not looking out like he, he's not looking that good right now. His seat may be hot for, for a hot seat right now. Maybe he could get fired midseason, but really I just think Chiefs blow the Eagles out here. For my upset of the week, I'm choosing the Falcons over the Washington football team. Washington's defense has been overrated this whole season, even though it's only been three weeks. But they're 27th ranked right now. And we, you might say, oh, the D-line's always good. Their secondary is just a little hobbled up, but they're going to get better. If I pull up the stats here, the Washington football team, they're passing. They're 29th in the league right now. And they're 19th for run defense. So, really, they're not they're, – they're really overrated. And – 
So I really see Cordell Patterson, Mike Davis. I think they just run all over this team. And I think this is where they, they try to steal some wins here. It's look, Their schedule opens up a little bit with Washington, then the Jets in London. And I really think Falcons have a great game against Washington this Sunday. I don't know if Matt Ryan's going to be able to perform as well as you hope that but that uh that Washington defensive line is still really good and the Falcons offensive line is not really helping out Matt Ryan. So I don't know if I really see the Falcons flourishing on offense, especially in the running game, as much as you think the Washington pretty much stopped the Bills, Giants, and Chargers running game, the only three teams that they've played so far. So if they're going to win this game, it's going to be – if the Falcons are going to win this game, it's going to be with their quarterback. And I really just don't believe in Matt Ryan right now to be able to win uh, a game against Washington. Yeah, okay, think- that's fair. I was just going to say real quick um, to come back uh, uh, to Jared there. I was going to say – Cordero Patterson, actually, it wasn't even in garbage time. He had two rushing touchdowns against the Buccaneers defense. And Cordero has been the only consistent offensive piece right now for the Falcons. And it's looking like they're using him a lot in the passing game and in the rushing game. So it's going to be interesting how Washington keeps up with them all game long. I want to see how the Falcons offense has to deal with, like Jerry was saying, their D-line. with Montez Sweat and Chase Young rushing at them. Uh, if they can't contain that D-line, then I don't think the Falcons are going to put up as many points as people want them to, a.k.a. Shrinker. Yeah, hey, um, look, this may be the <laughs> optimistic Falcons fan of you. I could be completely wrong in episode three. You'll probably see an angry Fal- uh, Shrinker moment. But I, I think that's what's going to happen, but yeah, I, I've, I think, been, I've been wrong before. <laughs> I, I think Chase Young might actually get one and a half sacks today, or not today, uh, Sunday. I can see that happening. Same with Montez Sweat. I think they both get one and a half. I mean, if we're talking about our own teams, what does everyone think about the Vikings-Browns game? Because personally, as a Vikings fan, I do not see the Vikings winning. I think that they are on a high right now. But I just think that the Browns are kind of rolling, especially on defense. And there is probably no worse matchup for the Vikings than the Cleveland Browns. I mean, if we can see how the, the Vikings offense stacks up against the Browns defense, then I think Kirk Cousins can actually be an MVP contentions, dare I say. If he can get that offense going against the, that Browns defense, who has looked really, really good, especially that D-line with Miles Garrett, who got, what, four and a half sacks last game? Um, it's going it, to be a real test. I think, I think the Vikings are capable of shutting down Baker Mayfield. But OBJ has resurged. He had a great game last week. I think... As long as they can just shut down Baker Mayfield, he'll have to rely more on the running game. And even then, that's a struggle for the Vikings. Yeah, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the two-headed monster. So either way you put it, the Browns' offense is going to give the Vikings' defense a good run for its money. Yeah, I, I think, think it's, I think it's going to be kind of low scoring, in my opinion. But I, I, I hope do, I do think that the Browns – I don't think that the Vikings are going to win. I want to see the matchup between the Vikings' O-line and the Browns' D-line because – I want to see if they're able to hold Kirk Cousins long enough so he can get those good passes to Jay Jettis or maybe Adam Thielen. But also I want to see how they can open up those holes for the running backs, whether that's Madison or Dalvin Cook. I want to see how the O-line impacts that. Yeah, Alexander Madison may have had his best game as an NFL pro last week, but let's not forget that was against the Seattle Seahawks, and now we're playing Cleveland. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I'd also like to see if Denzel Ward is on Thielen, how uh, who Kirk Cousins is going to throw to in the red zone because he Adam Thielen's that reliable red zone guy, and if he gets shut down by Denzel Ward, who is he going to look to? Tyler or maybe Con- they'll just run Tyler it. Conklin, baby. I, Tyler Conklin, I think, is also questionable. So he, he is, yeah, he's been limited in practice. So if so, he's not so there, Cook, then you know. if they're not there, then it's a Jay Jettas game, which I will very much like. I, I know, hope I'll never complain about that. Yeah, I mean, if Kirk, if Jay Jettas can get open in the red zone, Kirk can find him. Then I think he can establish himself as a clear cut red zone threat. Even though Jay Jettas, he can do it all, but adding red zone threat to his resume would make him even more uh, deadly as a receiver. I think one I think one thing we're all not looking forward to is hopefully a game winning field goal for the Vikings with Greg Joseph lining up. I think I that's probably... definitely one thing we don't <laughs> want to see. I mean, neither of these teams have had great luck in, in the past, but I think recently we are the team that needs that luck right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It you should have been three and but <laughs> it's okay. Well, that's been a great episode too for the Route Runners podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners for li- tuning in. This is Shrieker. This is Jared Skullbikes. And this is James.